afternoon, Cape Cod and the Islands. Welcome back. Episode 65 of the Cape Cod Sportscast. Wesley Sykes here with Rich McClone, as always. Feeling really good about Game 8 chances of the, for the Bruins. Oh, okay. Well, this is where I was going to throw you for a little bit of a loop. You know, we're going to start off the top talking a little bit of Bruins with the hockey, hashtag hockey guy here. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think if they do a better job in the D zone in Game 8, oh, wait. Oh, that was the last game? Ah, uh, there we go. That was disappointing. Disappointing end to the season. Uh, you know, I think what we saw, Wes, throughout that series, you know, and they kept harping on it on the broadcast about how the Bruins, you know, were a minus five on five. Mm-hmm. And how basically if they weren't, you know, on the power play, they were in trouble. Game seven, they swallowed the whistles. I think the only penalty was that delay a game, which is basically a you must have call. To call. Yeah, yeah, so... Other than that, I mean, there was plenty of holding and clawing and scratching going on, and nothing got called. And but you expect on, on that. both sides, yeah. Now, oh, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Um, and I think, as a you know, a, a bipartisan hockey fan, you want that to happen. Oh, absolutely. Said. Obviously, if you're a Bruins fan, you know their strength is on the power play. Uh, so maybe you would hope for a different you know outcome as far as yeah. uh, the calls there. But I just you know personally, I just hang this whole. Th- you get to lay it at the feet of the quote-unquote perfection line. You know, Marchand, Bergeron, and Pasternak were like a combined like minus 13, I think, between the sure. three of them. Yeah. You know, they just didn't bring it. You know, they had some power play goals, but 505, they didn't do anything. And, you know, you need those guys to produce. If they are going to be the big money, you know, primetime guys, they've got to come through in the playoffs and they did for three rounds, but the round that mattered most, they just never found a way to get you know on track. And Marshan with the just gaff of the game, pulling off and going off the ice at the end of that set uh, first period, killed them. Now here is uh, where my superficial hockey fandom comes into play here. Okay. Um, obviously, Marshawn, I don't know what, what what was going through his mind there <laughs> was, uh, with ten seconds left looking yeah. for a line change. His guy Petrangelo obviously comes through with the uh, the goal there. The guy he was neck and neck with. Yeah, you know? and he just kind of pulled off. But all postseason long, this has been about the legacy of Tuka Rask. Much like uh, in the baseball season, it was the legacy of David Price. Can you win in the big spots? Can you sure. make this happen? Right. Understandably, you know that was Marshawn's gaff. Yes. But you have. If you win that game, if you win game seven, there is zero doubt in anyone's mind that that is Tuka Rask Smite trophy to win. Oh, absolutely. He, he is the con. He finished second in the voting as is. So if well, they yeah, win. I mean, there's, there's no one out. Yeah. It was just O'Reilly and, and yeah. Tuka there, right? But don't you expect him to make one of those two saves on those two goals when he faced four shots in the period? Yeah, but you know, the. The first shot was a change direction, and yeah, I always five have a, hole. Yeah, I have a hard time, you know, giving the goalie a hard time when the when that happens because, you know, puck coming at you eighty miles an hour, the changes direction. But it wasn't like it was going left and then went right. Like it was still ranging to the space that ended up oh, going he, right I mean, between them. It's one he wants. I mean, it's a save he wants. I personally, 
neither of those goals I totally hang on Tuca. No, neither do I. And I've yeah. been a big Tuca detractor over yeah. the years. I like Tuca a lot. I think he is good enough to win you, you know, gosh, he won three playoff series for him and he won three games in the cup. Now, you can't win a game 0-0. Zero zero. I understand that. Yeah. The pro- well, they did score a goal, but it was meaningless. It didn't matter, yeah. right. Uh, you know, it really, to me, came down to the five-on-five play and... It's a team sport, you know, and I understand that, you know, the starting goaltender gets, you know, way too much credit, you know, when they win. It's just like a starting pitcher, just like a starting quarterback. You sure. know, it's just kind of that position on an island. Uh, you know, Tuca and the, the ones he gave up late, I mean, they're pinching, they're doing everything they can, and they're odd man rushes. And right, once it's 2 nothing, yeah, yeah. The, the you really could have turned. The, the that game, game turned, yeah, basically, you'll get a kick out of this. Um, so seven point nine seconds. Am I correct? That's when they scored the yeah yeah yeah. The Petrangelo, that sounds about right. Who sure. I still Less want to call 10. Peter Angelo, but sure. whatever. Yeah. Uh, you know, great goal by him. He had a great series. Goal and um, assisting you know, yeah. on the two goals that mattered. Yeah, and he came. You know, he came up big. But that's the, that was the clincher for. You know, and I knew in my heart of hearts that the game was over when that happened. Be- I think you could hear it in the stadium. Yeah. I think the, by the watching the level of compete level to yeah. use a hockey term by the Bruins you could tell so as a big Bruins fan understandably I was upset when that goal occurred and I took my hat and I whizzed it in the general direction of the TV below it because I didn't want to hit it but I was sure. mad but in walked our rescue dog Murphy who is just the cutest sweetest dog in the world but not very bright and it whizzed within a quarter of an inch of his nose, and he just turned tail and ran out of that room. It was pretty hysterical. I hope the MSPCA is not listening to uh, this right know, now. I, I didn't hit him. I came close. <laughs> My wife was still giving me a hard time about it this morning. <laughs> I walked into the room, and he ran out, and I said, what's up with him? She said, well, you almost killed him last night. I was like, it was a hat. <laughs> Uh, you know, I think that is far more tame than what many Bruins fans uh, across the region so. were doing. I, it that was just such a backbreaker. All of, my last my last two cents on this uh, this game seven and the two caresses. If you have an AHL goalie stand on his head to use a hockey cliche like yeah. he did, and he played a fantastic game, I think that's more of the story than the Bruins failing to show up. Yeah. Uh, because that first period, I think everyone would say the momentum was in oh, the Bruins' favor the until the final three minutes or so. Yeah. Uh, you know, you expect that out of your $8 million a year goalie. Yeah. Well, sure. Yeah. You know, and he had set the precedent all throughout the postseason and through the Stanley Cup final of being that Conn Smythe Trophy winning goaltender. And he showed as much in... Game six. I mean, even the goal that he allowed was a fantastic save in game six. Uh, You know, that was reviewed. I think it was O'Reilly. Yeah, the toe Uh, save. Right. Which was a great, you know, just to get there. Yeah. Now, he, you know, he didn't see a lot of action early in the game. I felt bad at, you know, hockey, you want your goalie to kind of settle in. And he made a couple, one, maybe two saves early. And then I don't think he saw a shot again for what they say, like 11 minutes. And it was just, it was crazy. Two shots, two goals. Yeah, and then it just, you know, it all fell apart there at the end. Um, but the save that Biddington made on uh, Marchand. Uh, That's it? the one you want back. Yeah, that, that went through it, seven yeah, or nine hole. Yeah. Like, <laughs> how that did not go in the net. Yeah. You know, and I had a feeling when that happened. I said, I don't know if this is our night. But that's hockey. You know, it's the only sport where one guy 
you know, of the four majors, it's the one sport where you can dominate. Yeah. And you don't have a lead. You yeah. Know? And that's just the well, way it works. pitching, uh, you know, starting pitcher. Okay. Well, yeah, but if the other team is dominating, you know, then the pitcher's having a bad oh, game. Oh, but I thought you meant one Yeah, one like player. offensively. Right. You know, you, you said one player. Yeah, okay, I'm sorry. Offensively, the Bruins dominated that first 15 minutes. Yeah, and isn't that what you want out of your defense, too, is to not have your goalie face a shot? Like, yeah. I, I can oh, understand I mean, being like you wanted to get, like, yeah. obviously you build the momentum in the case of Bennington. Yeah. Uh, you gain some confidence. But, but you know, you can't say that he got hung out to drive by his defense in one breath and then say, no, I thought well, he should have got some more shots on goal. No, <laughs> it's, it's just funny how that works. I thought they played... They played great early, then you know they lost it there at the end of the first period, and heck, hey, of, a, heck of a season. But you get to feel good, good for that little girl, Layla. Oh, of course. You know, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. That's the one thing that. And who was the Bruins' uh, flag waivers? Liam, 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 yeah, Connolly. Uh, the last name I'm, I'm but, escaping on, but yeah. Uh, hopefully, Liam will get his cup uh, in the in the coming years. I, yeah, I'm not sure if this team is going to look the same. Uh, you know, entering next year, I wonder. Yeah, this might be the end of the road for some of the core players here. Not not as far as uh, their playing careers, but maybe their time in Boston. Well, it depends on what Sweeney wants to do. I think, dude, and this hurts me. I think Tory Krug maybe heading out. You know, he's how many how much uh, contract space does he have left in his career? Go get paid, big fella. Well, he's got. Uh, I think he has one more year on his deal, but they have to decide whether or not they want to, you know, mm-hmm. resign him. And he'd be a good trade chip, and they do need somebody. To, you know, David Krejci, another good trade trip option. Uh, yeah, maybe potentially, but you need somebody to come in who's going to be able to take over for Bergeron as that number one center in the coming years because mm-hmm. they don't have that one guy, especially some somebody who can give you, you know, twenty five thirty goals. I don't know if and Charlie Coyle's that guy. 200 feet uh, oh, both well, ways. Those right? guys. Yeah. I mean, the the only other one I know of, you know, played for the, the other team. Won he the won the Conn Smythe. Yeah. yeah, so. But that's hockey. That's hockey. Uh, enough hockey. Right? And we're over it. Yes. We're over it. Enough hockey until my book comes out. There we go. Go pre-order it. That's all I'm going to say. Well, Amazon. I was going to say, yeah, do you want to, I know we shared this on Monday, uh, but is there anything else, uh, new news uh, that's afoot? The, the pre-order is available and online right now. You can go to Amazon.com. Just do a search for Rich McClone or Season on the Brink. You will find the link. Uh, you know, pre-sales are doing okay. Not bad. Okay. You know, I think most people in this area... Want a hard copy book or, you know, mm-hmm. want the, you know, or the paperback? So if I do the pre-sale through Amazon... You get... Right now, the Kindle version is up. Okay. So the paperback is not available yet because they keep giving me a hard time on my cover. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's just a formatting issue? Yeah. Or? Oh, my gosh. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it'll be... Hopefully, it'll... When we finish this up, I'm going to sit down with our friend Gene Marchand... Not Brad, but Gene, and mm-hmm. figure out how the heck, what am I doing wrong? It's like within a quarter of an inch, but it's not right, and they won't approve it. Well, I know Gene Marshan will get the job done. I hope and so. And a crunch time situation. <laughs> we are approaching crunch time, so. Uh, speaking of crunch time, we had uh, two teams fall to the wayside uh, this was, week. It was a rough day yesterday. <laughs> what was two very uh, down-to-the-wire, tooth-and-nail type of baseball games. I think we'll start with uh, the Division Three South semifinal that was played on uh, Wednesday at Braintree High School between the fifth-seeded Sandwich Blue Knights and the eighth-seeded Ashland Clockers. And for uh, the third time in my two years here, I have seen, uh, gotten the opportunity to write many a time running out uh, against the Clockers <laughs> puns between 
uh, Jackson Hornan and the Clockers hockey, hockey team, team. Uh, Alistair Bourne the last two years, and then once again, uh, you know, him as a catcher uh, and getting a, a great starting performance from Dominic, uh, what's it, Kavanaugh, uh, out-dueling sandwiches Dylan Ryan in an eight-inning affair, winning 2-1. Yeah. Uh, again, they're throwing up zeros through the first seven innings. Uh, Dylan Ryan finishes the game going seven plus. Uh, I believe he ended up uh, his ending line ended up having three hits, five walks, two earned runs, eleven strikeouts. He goes through a stretch between the second, the end of the second inning to the end of the sixth inning, where he retired thirteen straight batters. Wow! Uh, include and then went on to retire sixteen of eighteen uh, throughout that same stretch. Uh, but you know. I, I really feel for the kid because he pitched his heart out, goes out for the top of the eighth inning, um, and he was probably gassed. You know, Walk, walks the first batter, singles the next batter, walks the next one, bases low before getting it out. Puts uh, Jacob Lapp uh, in a tough position with the bases loaded, no score in the top of the eighth inning with no outs. Yeah. Uh, he, he throws a wild pitch, one run comes in. Uh, both runners advance, a sacrifice fly, next runner comes in, and he, and he gets out of the jam. So, you know, it's it's tough to put blame on either of those players because I think, you know, Jacob Lapp had a, a tremendous, uh, you know, wall staring him down uh, of what to what, what was laying in front of him, obstacle maybe. Yeah. Um, and, and Dylan Ryan, for everything that he did this year, you know, it was much like that first-round game against D.Y. where he's throwing up zeros. Uh, and really just cruising. I believe he had allowed one hit in the seventh inning in that first round game against D.Y. Second hit, second hit comes in, he gives in a run. Luckily, his offense bails him out. Uh, this time around, not so much the case. They get one run across uh, and then leave a runner, the tying run on first base. So do you think in the postseason here, you know, because Sandwich definitely had uh, its issues producing runs, you know, throughout the uh, their tournament run, do you think the bats just fell silent, or did they run into really good pitching? Uh, or so is it I, a combination? Yeah, I think, you know, in, in, in talking to uh, Brian Tomasini after the game, you know, he's, he definitely tipped his hat to Kavanaugh. He uh, made all the plays. I think the defense around, you know, he pitched to contact a lot. There was a lot of balls that were put into play. A lot of, you know, he really pounded the strike zone. Uh, and I think they pulled off two or three double plays in that oh, game. Wow. So And bang-bang plays, you know, you, it's kind of a flip of the coin. I know... There was a large sandwich contingent there, which I love coming up from Braintree. Sure. Uh, they saw it otherwise, you know, as as I would expect. I have expect. one of those plays too. Um, but you know, they, they also uh, sandwich also ran into some base running errors and some base running gaffes that caught him. One of which uh, was an overrun by one of the players on second base. You know, he's on first. Uh, you know, the the clockers make a, a play at first. Ball goes uh, into foul grounds. He goes to second takes a little bit of a wide turn, uh, slips, and then an effort to get back. The clocker's shortstop or middle, middle infielder um, impedes, blocks the, the base path. Sure. And the umpire calls the runner out. And that you know that's the only one that I have a real argument with because you're not giving the base runner the opportunity, the path, the clear path rule yeah. to get back to the base. And I think that's the one, you know, Thomasini didn't argue a whole lot there. You know, he went out and kind of pleaded the case yeah. on some of these bang-bang plays. And I think after the game, that, that was the one that, you know, he, he had the biggest issue with. Well, you know, Brian is a fantastic coach. And I think, you know, I'd hate to be in his position. You and I were talking about it earlier uh, off air where you've got that guy, you know, Dylan Ryan, who has, you know, arguably been the best 
pitcher on Cape Cod all you know yeah you know yeah all I think you can make long. that argument yeah and you know you get those seven innings out of him and you told me that you could tell that he was kind of had that you know inner conflict you know like a Jedi. You know, right. Well, yeah. Whether like, or not, do I go to my bullpen now, or do I let him have the eighth inning? You know. And, right. He got you here. He got you this far. Yeah. Let him get get the win. And I, you know, and I think that's what you know. That, that's a tough position to be put in. But again, I thought you know he was cruising through the sixth inning. He gives up a double, uh, and I believe he walked another batter in the seventh. Uh, and they were able to get out of that jam. They caught, you know, a pop up on a bunt situation, trying to sacrifice him over, and it was just yeah. a bad bunt attempt. And then. I think it was another play where one of the middle infielders, Nate Coleman or, or Cam Shore, both made some great plays in the game. Uh, had to go kind of behind the bag on a soft line drive and kind of make an, you know, overreaching, over-the-head kind of grab yeah. uh, to get out of the inning. So, you know, it, I thought the signs in, in my estimation were there that he was running a little thin. But, you know, he Off like, the top. no one could really figure out him out the whole game, too. So I can also understand that as well. Off the top of your head, do you happen to remember where – Ashland was in their batting orders coming up in the eighth. I'd have to look over my Twitter account, but it was six, seven, eight. Okay, Some, so something maybe, around there. Because that would, you know, five, add, six, seven. You get to figure that probably factors into your thinking too. Right. You know, he's already been through the heart of the order here. You know, maybe we get one more inning out of him, and if it gets mm-hmm. extended, then we go to lab. Right, right. Yeah, it's hey, it's a really tough spot to be in as a manager, and you know, it's so easy for us to sit here and. You know, uh, Thursday afternoon uh, shortstop is right. that like Monday yeah, morning quarterback? Yeah, you know, yeah, 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 I like so, that. Yeah, um, it's easy to second guess, but it's hard, man. Those decisions, you know, because you can go either way, and it's easy to tell after the fact whether you were right or wrong. Right. Yeah, and it doesn't take away anything from uh, you know the season that they put forth, nineteen and five. This the senior That's a group. heck of a year. Uh, yeah, winning the the last ACL before they go and join the Cape and Islands League, uh, winning two straight, three. Of the last four, yeah, something like that. Uh, no, that is that is it. And uh, fifteen seniors on this team too, you know. So they, you know, many of them were on that team when they made the South Finals as freshmen. Tyler Wardica started, so you know, this is a team that's ran the gamut of success. Uh, you know, yeah. falling just short here, but you know, I, I think it's tough to you know lose sight of that bigger picture. Well, the interesting uh, thing is, you know, looking forward as we tend to do in these mm-hmm. things. You know, with so many seniors, you know, what's that team going to look like next year? Well, yeah, and I think, you know, Sandwich is a uh, a, a baseball town. You well, know, I think they true. do a, a pretty good job of that. And, um, you know, as you will probably probably have seen a little bit on the 188 junior team, uh, you know, I'm sure there's a couple of Sandwich players on there who, you know, will sharpen their teeth. Uh, yep, the, that junior team is so loaded. We'll, you know, we'll save them for down the road, but, you know, there are some... There are some ball players in our area. I'll Absolutely. tell you what. I mean, because there's a bunch of kids playing on that junior team, who in almost any other what do you call it region, I guess, would be on the senior team. Right. It's crazy. Well, and they're getting reinforcements too. I'm sure with some Mashpee players uh, with their season coming uh, to an end. And that's a great segue right there, my friend. Mm-hmm. Mashpee dropped a four to three decision to, you know, a, a St. John Paul team that you know. They must, it must be the clean living. I don't know what it is, man, but that team just keeps finding a way. They get yeah. these last-inning walk-off wins. This time it was uh, Aaron Cole with a sacrifice fly in the uh, bottom of the seventh with the bases loaded and one out, and he was able to uh, drive in the pinch runner. I think his last name was Cummings uh, from third base. Mm-hmm. You know, Kyle Puchel 
makes an amazing diving grab in center field for the second out, but, you know, had to get up and, you know, try to right himself, get that strike to home plate. Right. He was a little up the third base side, coming slid in safely, and St. John Paul is on to the south final. And Mashby, you know, once again, you know, that is their, that St. John Paul team has just been their Achilles heel over the years. Like this well, is like, for many of the teams in D4 South, I would yeah, imagine. I believe they've been eliminated by St. John Paul like four in the last five or six years. Mm-hmm. It just seems like every year it's the semifinals or the quarters and they run into SJP. And, you know, for years they would just get to that round and get blown out. The last two times they've been close. And this one, you know, 4-3 game. Jagger Bryant gave everything he had. Mm-hmm. You know, good starting job. He uh, shut out for the first five innings. Uh, four innings, gave up one in the fifth. Um, they got got him the lead. We're up two to one. Uh, Jared Barr and Sean Clifford, both nice, solid hits. Uh, take the pitch the other way to right field. Back-to-back singles, they have the lead. They got it to three to one. I think uh, Clifford with an RBI walk with the bases loaded. But the LOBs in this game, they stranded mm-hmm. 10 men on base in the game. And that's just way too many. Left the bases loaded twice, had two on another time. Just like seemed like every inning they had it and they were one hit away, but they were never able to get that big knock that would turn that two run rally into four, the one run rally into three, you know. Right. And that would have been the difference because they had SJP on the ropes, but you let a good team hang around, and a lot of, as you saw with Sandwich against Ashland, if you let right. somebody hang around, sometimes it's going to come back to haunt you. And it did yesterday uh, as SJP found a way. Um, you know, but with this Mashby team, Clifford, I mean, um, yeah, Sean Clifford and Nick Story, the only seniors on that team. Mm-hmm. So you got a good, got to have a good feeling. Fourteen and eight with that young team, right? I think they'll, uh, I think they've got a good future ahead of them. And much, and much like Sandwich, uh, you know, Mashby has a a great fo- uh, football tradition, but <laughs> and also baseball, baseball. tradition. Uh, I mean, obviously, Dan Patton does a good job of yeah. you know, teaching the fundamentals and, and kind of get. Because I think that's the core of any good baseball team is you know how well do you make those plays? Yeah, you know, and w- whether it's moving a runner up, sacrificing, going the other way, hit and run, fielding uh, priority above them all. I would say. Yeah, and you know, we talk. You had your controversial call, so one out. Or no outs and a man on first base in the sixth inning. Mm-hmm. Mashby up three to one. Uh, ball takes a funny hop on a hit and run. Colton Colleran comes across the bag onto the shortstop side and makes the play, but kind of loses his foot and goes to step on the bag. It looked like he got there first. I have a picture of the play. On the play, the umpire is kind of screening the guy sliding in the second, mm-hmm. so I can't see his foot. But Colleran's, I can see the edge of the bag, and he hasn't reached the edge of the bag yet. And Colleran's foot is a quarter of an inch from the base. Now, you know, that's bang-bang as they get. But it does look like Colleran might have gotten there first. That would have been at least a force out, and probably they get out of that inning with the lead intact. Mm-hmm. You know, but who knows? I mean, it was, and that's the way it went. They end up getting two to tie it. Mashby goes down one, two, three in the top of the seventh. Nick Story hit a bomb, but that field is so cavernous um, at Plymouth North High School. And they get out of the inning, and then St. John Paul 
pulls off another walk-off in the bottom of the uh, right. seventh. Yeah, so that's there. their third walk-off uh, in three playoff yeah, games. And not walk-off, but, but late, late in and come back. Yeah, so, and now they're off to, second walk-off in a row, I believe. Right, yeah. And, and now they're off to the South Final, where they will play, oh gosh, it was either Abington or Cohasa. It's Abington. Abington. So, South Shore League with three of the four finalists. That, that when we say Mashby plays a tough, to, uh, tough right. schedule, we're not kidding. They really do. Yeah, and speaking of Mashby, we'll, we'll get to Falmouth uh, softball in just a moment here. Uh, but I saw something on Max Preps uh, that I, I wanted to bring up uh, regarding football. A little, little uh, quick shift here. Sure. Uh, you know, Max Preps, you, know, you don't really see a whole lot of Massachusetts love on there. So, again, I, I love that they're... Uh, we'll put this together, but they did a quick video. I'm not sure if you saw it or no, not. No, I haven't seen it yet. Uh, of the 10 most dominant teams in Massachusetts football uh, over the last decade. So that, my definition of a decade, I, mean, I guess you can go 2009 to 2019, but sure. I would start at 2010. Sure. Uh, you know, you're still with one year left over in this, uh, in this decade here. Mashpee football. Four state titles, three straight, 28-game winning streak. Left off the list is egregious to me. That is so ridiculous that obviously someone was not doing their homework. Now, again, yeah, it, much like we talk about with the statewide coverage of Cape uh, Cape teams, uh, you know, of, oftentimes you're spread a little bit thin. I would imagine that would be the case for uh, said person, whoever put this yeah, list together. Yeah, but whoever puts it together is going to be looking at the list of state champions. My only thing is that my, the only reason, again, much like uh, the Noel Achari embellishment call here, and now I'm not just accepting it for what it is. I'm trying to get into the mind of what this person is thinking here. The only thing I can imagine is that they're, you know, Division Seven, Division Eight. Uh, well, they had, let me see, they D6... But six A, right? You know, it was. I I think it was. Well, it doesn't really matter. You're right. They were lower tiers. Yeah. Uh, you know, one year was what like seven or you know, it, it's hard to keep straight because they keep changing what they're called every year. But right. it really comes down to though, if you're looking, yeah, they're a small school, but that team has that program has done nothing but win and win and win and win. Right. For, Regardless of division, yeah. they have dominated they have, the competition they have to domin- the point where people don't want to play them because yes. they know it's a guaranteed loss. And they have to go up to St. Mary's to go play you know, yeah. a, a semifinal runner-up game in the regular season. Or what, what was the other team that go, goes South so, Hadley? Yeah, they, I mean, they have to travel. They, gotta, he, they are scraping to find, you know, to find games. Nearby Division Five teams don't want to play them. No, I mean Falmouth dropped them off their schedule. I wasn't going to name drop that. That yeah. was who I was referencing. Yeah, I mean it's just like it's crazy that these teams that yeah. I mean, and I haven't I had like I said I haven't seen the video yet. I got to imagine like Everett is obviously at the top of that That's list. That's number one. Yeah. You know, and I'm sure Zavarian is up there as yeah, well. Yeah, Duxbury's, Duxbury's on there. North Reading. Sure, um, you know, there's the usual suspects. Right. Right. But I mean, you're making a list of ten. And the team that's won more state championships than I think anyone in the last ten years. Yeah, maybe with the exception of Everett, I'm not sure. Yeah. That they might have three or four. It might be equal, but yeah, I mean, come on, that's yeah. that's just that's shoddy. The, and the the longest winning was it the active or the longest all time winning? Streak? I don't think it's the longest all time. I but it, it was, was at the time active. I mean, it was like I think you were you were right, twenty eight or twenty six. It was a lot of wins in a row. Yeah, it's twenty eight. It's definitely twenty eight. And yeah, that's just. That's just 
bad uh, bad research by that guy. Yeah, yeah, too bad. And again, you know, I, I harp on this. I know that's not my coverage area, uh, but you, you know, you got to stand for the uh, Cape Cod teams. They're just like, you know, we're, we're talking about the successes of the St. John Paul baseball team. You know, you root for the region, much like you would root for. Uh, you know, your favorite college football team's conference in sure. a, you know, a state title game or something like that. You want the ACC to win or you want the Big Ten to win because that's the conference that you're from. Well, it was funny because I ran into Matt Goisman from the Times and, uh, you know, he knew he knows when it comes to, you know, what I like to see. I'm obviously rooting for the teams we cover to do well because I want to see that. And he knows that I haven't loved SJP over the years. And he goes, so, he said, are there any programs you do like that aren't from your coverage area? I said, absolutely. And I started naming them off. I said, besides, I can't hate on that team. I said, that team over there has got four Falmouth kids that I've known since they were like nine years old. Mm -hmm. They're great kids. I want to see them win. I'm happy for them. I'm proud of them. You know, just I would have liked to see Mashby win because then I'd have another game to cover and it's good for the school and all that stuff. So. Right, right. But, yeah, that got, back to the football list. I would have had an argument if he had found if he had found a way to put Mashby from eight, nine, or ten. I would have had a hard time believing there were seven programs more dominant. Right, but to to leave them off the list. But to leave them off altogether is just now. Stupid. I know Matt Traveri and the Mashby Falcons probably don't care about that sort of thing. I think they would rather have the rings on their finger than uh, you know the top ten finish and some. Yeah, they're looking for one for their thumb now. Right, exactly. <laughs> or at least Traveri is in his coaching yeah, the staff. coaching staff is right. So right. I mean. They've got bigger fish to fry. Absolutely. And uh, let's go over to the softball field. So, yeah, Falmouth softball ends up losing in the quarterfinals to uh, Norton High School. Norton with a hard-throwing pitcher named Sophia Knopf. Mm. K-N-O-P-F. Hard, hard K. So she was fantastic. Her and Molly Bruce were matching zeros for five innings. Each had only given up one hit to uh, Actually, Knopf, I think, took a no-hitter into the sixth. Okay. Uh, Bruce took a no-hitter into the fifth, I believe it was. Uh, we were scoreless until the sixth, and one error really just kind of, you know, started the snowball gathering steam down the hill. Uh, found with them get three in the sixth and three in the seventh. They lose 6 nothing in the quarters. Great run by them, though. They got a first-round win. I think we had talked about it earlier, where Haley Sylvia, the freshman, got a big hit. Um First hit in the game, I believe, was by freshman Rochelle Andrade. So the youngsters on that uh, Falmouth team, even with the big senior group that's going to be leaving, um, the young kids showing that you know they're made of you know pretty tough stuff too. So I don't know that Falmouth softball is going to go out and win what was it eighteen like they did this year. Mm -hmm. But you know I have a feeling they're still going to be a tournament team, and with the young core that they have, two or three years from now, they have a chance to be right back in the thick of things. All right, and you know, we're right around the 30-minute mark here. I think we'll wrap it up. Obviously, the uh, the Cape Cod Baseball League has just started. Do you have any initial uh, impressions, takeaways, uh, thoughts? Uh, the Falmouth Commodore is obviously going to go 44-0. Oh, of course. I mean, and that's not a jinx at all. No, they're the only undefeated team. No, they're 2-0. Uh, what I've seen so far is it looks like Falmouth might have some bats. Mm -hmm. uh, they have a kid named uh, Houghton. Houghton. Not Sam, but... Uh, yeah. I, Starts with an M, Maddox, or... Anyways, had it, uh, Houghton, who looks pretty good. Austin Langworthy, Hayden Cantrell, those guys are name. back. Yeah. Uh, you know, they, uh, they've looked good. The pitching has been strong. They've uh, you know, got a shutout yesterday and a walk... Not a walk-off, but a, they scored the winning run in the top of the ninth inning at mm -hmm. Chatham. 
So, so far, so good. Haven't had a chance to see the Cavaliers yet. I think you did, though. Uh, yes, I have. So they are 2-1 and one right now. Uh, they are coming off an 11-0 uh, road win against the Hyannis Harbor Hawks. Uh, first road, road game of the year. They won their home opener against YD in 4-3 fashion. Uh, and lost to Harwich, which I believe ended up being 6-4, some something along those lines. Close uh, but yeah, they had a 4-2 lead. Uh, I believe it was in the seventh inning. They used four pitchers or three pitchers to get three outs. Yeah. Uh, and that's kind of where they ran into a little bit of trouble. But the real interesting story is uh, uh, for the second year in a row, let me just jot this down here. Excuse me one moment. Um, Katua has another homegrown player playing on their roster. Obviously, we remember uh, Luke uh, Chevalier uh, from last year, last sure. year's team. I don't think you do, actually. No, I do. Luke <laughs> oh, Chevalier, okay. He played for Barcelona, uh, you, right? Uh, Sturgis. Okay, but he, all right, I knew he was a hand, He went to there. some South Dakota yeah. uh, school and every, everything, and he was really underplayed. It. I think he, um, was he a 188 kid? Because I remember. He could have been. Yeah, that think... would be before my time. Okay. Uh, but this guy, uh, his name is Cody Pasick. He's a catcher, uh, bats left, throws right, six feet, 195 pounds, goes Barnstable? to Umaine Aranyo. Uh, he's, or he's no. a Katuit, or no. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> University of Maine, one of the affiliate schools there. Uh, he's no, a that is a native. A, UMaine Orono is the University of Maine. Oh, oh okay. And so so what, uh, why is that there then? I don't know. <laughs> the main campus is in Orono. All the other ones, Farmington, uh, and those are like the sub. Okay. Those are your like Lowell or Dartmouth. Right, right, right. So he, he's a black bear. He's a black bear. Okay. There you go. I wish they put that on the so roster. So Pasek, yeah, he, he played for Barnstable, correct? He could have. Uh, again, before my time, uh, he just has him listed down as a UMaine player. You know, on the roster, they don't have their high school affiliation. Sure. Uh, but I was going through re- reading and, and writing uh, the recap. Uh, I saw the user two at Mass Navy. It goes two for three yesterday. Two Beautiful. RBIs. Beautiful. You know, Cape League debut, so. Do we know, is he full-time or is he a... Well, that's a good question. So uh, that that's what I'm going to be investigating uh, for next week's paper. So beautiful. Uh, that's a big marker tease, as we like to say in the biz. Well, you're going to have to buy that paper next week. Absolutely. Uh, so yeah, good good two and one start for the Kettleers. Uh, Born is uh, I don't want to say stumbled out of the gates, but they're winless on the year so far in two games. They had another game rained out. Uh, it must have been on Tuesday or Wednesday. Uh, Tuesday, rather. Yeah. And today looks like rain out, too. Yeah, it could be. And, uh, again, they're kind of hard luck losers. You know, one was a 2-1 game. Another one was a uh, 3-1, 3-0 game. And they, I think they've totaled seven hits in those games at all. But So they haven't really given their starting pitchers, who's been pretty good to this point, uh, much much run support or much help in that in that category. Uh, but, again, you know, it's, it's a long season. You don't know who you're getting back from the College World Series, which is still ongoing. Uh, so, you know, it's kind of a touch-and-go thing uh, in the start of the season. It's great when you get out to a 2-0 start, and then you can kind of, you know, let the let the mind wander about the possibilities there. But when you get out to an 0-2 start, you say, pump the brakes. These, this isn't the final team that we got here. Uh, you know, that that's the spin on it, right? You basically, you just you just got to finish the top four in your division. You know, right. anybody, yeah, don't finish last. Yeah, anybody's got a chance to win as long as you uh, don't finish last. And all you got to do to make sure you don't finish last is usually win, like, 18 games. Yeah, exactly. You know, so you go 18 and 26 and you usually make the playoffs. Absolutely. But, you know, I, I have but only one field left on my to-do list uh, of accomplishing all the fields. On the, in, oh, the Cape League? Yes. Do you, do you want to venture I'm going to guess you haven't been to Stony Brook. That is exactly it, the Brewster Whitecaps, yeah. yeah. For, you know why? 
It's the furthest one. It, it's just and like it's day, in, always day games, and it's the middle of nowhere. And yeah, yeah, it, yeah. I've only been there once or twice. Yes, uh, that's not a horrible field. I mean, if we're ranking them, I don't think it's in the top half. What's your number one Cape League field? I really love Katuit. Yeah, Katuit. It's kind of like a field of dreams type of scenario where it's carved out in that right uh, in the state woods. forest. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I really love it. And then you know they they have. Great stuff going on, like even just the whole setup of it. Again, yeah. it's tucked away, but you have, you know, um, uh, uh, cornhole games set up for sure. the kids on the side. You know, and the old they have a great uh, facility for the restrooms and great stands that are sure. raised above. Uh, great, you know, nice, nice big facility for refreshments and those sort of things. And I'm blanking on the game, but it's a pole. That with a with a string or a rope with the ball hanging from it, and you got to hit it around oh, the other God. side. I know what you're talking about. I, I, no, I, I used to have one in my backyard. Yeah, as a we kid. used to play it at a tetherball. Tetherball, yes. yes. We used to play it at Morrisbond School. Right. So uh-huh. they got that going. So there's a lot going on. Even if you're, you know, you bring sure. the kids and you just want to watch a game and they're not into it, which is you know, most sign kids, of the times. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There's stuff for them to do. So I love that one. Orleans is up there for me too. Orleans, I just don't like how it's like on the corner of two roads. Yeah, I understand that, but it. I love that. The unique dimensions. Right. I like sitting on the hill on the first base side and watching. Uh, I love that the band shell is out there and people will camp their seats there. And it's kind of like, you know, their version of monster seats. Uh, I I love that it's easy to hit a fly ball out to left field. But if you don't go dead center, though. Yeah, but if you go to dead center, it's going to be an out every single time. Um, Chatham is really nice. I like how that, you know, it's a real pain in the ass to get out of uh, because it's right on the main road there. I met. Maybe the most famous person I've ever met. Oh. At Chatham, uh, sitting in the outfield. I sat next to Harry Connick. Oh, that that's the most famous person you've ever met. Well, I mean, not counting athletes, I think so. I would say, like, I would say that's like to our audience, like no one's gonna know who no, that no, is. No, but it, well, you might be right. But uh, hey, he was. Um, Oh gosh, Jimmy Harry Connick Jr. Yeah, Harry Connick Jr. Not senior, no. correct? He was Jimmy in Independence Day. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's a good point. <laughs> He's also a crooner, but he He's, was... Uh, light the tires and kick the tires and light, light the, the fires, fires, Big Daddy. Yeah. Jimmy, no! That's right. I <laughs> love that movie. Yeah, that's a, that's a good one. It's all, almost timely, too. Uh, yeah, almost the 4th of July. Yeah, there you almost, go. Uh, any, other, uh, any other last licks you want to get in here before we wrap things up on this shortened podcast? Um, no, I think we're good. And yeah. That's, uh, that's it for uh, the week ending, June 4th. 14th? June 14th, yeah. 2019. In the year of our Lord. All right. Peace.